TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hey, how are you? And welcome back to another installment of the Nightcap. We appreciate you choosing to talk some Golden Knights hockey tonight with us via the CBS Sports Radio 1140 Signal or streaming on the Radio.com app. My, oh, 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 thank you, Amy Poehler. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever. And originally, I was going to be Jason Derulo riding solo tonight. But thankfully, thankfully for me, uh, Big Boss... Paul Eihander joins us tonight. Welcome, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me on, Liz. I am very excited. You've never been on the Nightcap, Paul. This is uh, this is my first appearance on the Nightcap, yeah, since the inception of the show many, many moons ago. Many moons ago, like four months, four months or so, well, three how months. Long is, how long does it when the season start? October, right? Yeah. So, yeah, October. Yeah, around there. But I appreciate you joining us today because Ben is on location. He is in Tampa Bay. He's been uh, following the team for the Review Journal all weekend uh, because, you know, can't have one guy do all the road trips for the newspaper. So Ben's there. I know. But luckily, Ben was uh, nice enough to take some time out of his day earlier to talk with us about the Golden Knights, what he's seeing at practice, how they're uh, handling the the back-to-back wins that they have secured over the weekend. We're going to get more into that in a minute. But yeah, he's going to join us. And then we're going to be talking about, uh, at least in my view, who the real contenders and pretenders are in the Western Conference, because we talk about it all the time in the nightcap on the Playmakers You with Paul, uh, about how close the Pacific Division and, and the Western Conference is, but we haven't really taken the time to, I don't know, grade where these teams are in comparison to the Golden Knights. You know what I mean? you got to keep track of where you think people are at. No, the Western Conference is going to be a crapshoot over the next 60 days as we wind up the regular season in the NHL regular season. And we've seen the bounce backs, the ups and the downs where, you know, the team like the Arizona Coyotes were on a high and now they're struggling where other teams that weren't expected to be in contention like the Canucks have come, you know, risen and, and excelled, ex- exceeded expectations. Mm-hmm. And then we have the traditional powers. And then where do your knights sit in the middle of that jumbled mess that is the Western Conference, mm-hmm. where it seems like that's, you know, outside of, and you look at the East with, you know, the Capitals that are just kind of in their own dimension in terms of play. Yep, capitalizing who, everything right, about who, this year. Right, who's mm-hmm. going to rise up and meet that challenge from the Western Conference? And that's 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 been the, the interesting, the back and forth, the jockeying back and forth. And who can get hot and who can and who's going to be cold right now cold is arizona of all Mm -hmm. places the cold is being found in the phoenix area with the coyotes right now absolutely it's going to be a week-to-week thing and that's why you guys have to stay tuned into us we're here each and every monday night six to seven right here on cbs sports radio 1140 on the radio.com app we've introduced ourselves now as shang for mulan said let's get down to business it's time to review the week that was that is and where we are now Golden Knights spent the most of the week idle until Friday because obviously they were on the All-Star break, then they had the bye week. 
but they go back on the road. We're going to finally see them again here in Las Vegas. Yes, they still play here. They're still based out of here. T-Mobile is still an arena where hockey is played. That will be on Saturday. But on Friday, this past Friday, on the 31st, they played the Carolina Hurricanes and were able to secure a 4-3 to win over those Canes, who are a very pesky team uh, and definitely challenging for a playoff spot. Obviously made a, a run to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, or last season, Paul. But they're dealing with some injuries, namely to uh, the probably a career year from Dougie Hamilton, who unfortunately, uh, I think it was his, broke his leg uh, two weeks ago or so, and he's right. he's going to be out for the rest of the season. But they were able to secure that victory. They got that out to a 2 nothing lead, and they opened up scoring, which is great because I've been harping on him for weeks, Paul, and especially through that losing streak where we saw uh, Coach Gallant uh, lose his job. They were getting just beat right out of the gates in that first period. But they did allow those Hurricanes to kind of come back before scoring two third-period goals to match the Hurricanes and beat them 4-3. to three. And more importantly, Malcolm Subban got the win. Because we talk about goaltending once in a while here, Paul. Sure. And, yeah, you're right. With 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 Malcolm getting that Malcolm getting that quality a quality start. You know, mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't you know as splashy as it could have been because you know he was he was facing a lot of snipes. There's no doubt about it. And Absolutely. it was it was a late win for the Knights. But in terms of that confidence and being able to kind of get some of that get some of the garbage out of his head because I you know I think it had to have been tough for him that game against L. A. Still sticks with me too mm-hmm. to erase that memory. You have to you need something to replace that one with. And he had been waiting a long time to replace that memory. Absolutely. And because Malcolm doesn't see the net nearly as much as as he had even a couple months ago when Mark andre Fleury took his leave of absence, but that was his first win since December 22nd against the San Jose Sharks. And then, like you just said, the the game that he played last, the most recent game, was that uh, huge loss to the Los Angeles Kings where he gave up four goals in the last seven minutes of the third, first period. And it was just overall bad. But a sub-90 save percentage from Malcolm, which isn't great. He, got, he was 88% on the night he got 22 of the 25 shots that he saved but at the end of the day it is a w and it is a double it doesn't matter how this team gets wins at this point they just need to start racking them up and that leads us to the next game the next night which is kind of weird to me that the nhl would schedule the golden knights to have a back-to-back you know right off the right off the break after such a long time off were you surprised by that in terms of the schedule making, I'll be honest with you, no, just based on where, in, in terms of location, just geography, just put the geography there. Sure. Carolina, Nashville, it's close. It doesn't feel like you're going to, you're coming off a long layoff anyway. The Knights had an excuse to play to play Malcolm in the net because of the suspension for Mark Andre. So yep. Mark Andre was going to be fresh. It was, They were going to play goal, two goaltenders regardless of how that was going to set up unless you know, the first game had gone incredibly well for Malcolm, which it went well for him, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a shutout. He didn't pitch a shutout. You know, he wasn't, you know, super clean uh, between the pipes. But it, for me, again, the long the long answer is no. I'm not really surprised how that is. Again, they had 10 days, the bye week, the all-star break, everything led up to that point. Right. And, it, you know, really, in, in hindsight, yeah, it kind of sucked. They're on the road. It's just how the schedule worked out. Mm-hmm. But as you look back at it now, you know, it allowed uh, – coach to take a little closer look at his team in a back-to-back situation on the road, test them a little bit, Mm -hmm. see exactly what he's going to get out of them. And I'm I'm wondering, again, because of that back-to-back, if he hasn't had a chance to really, you know, flex his... uh, 
I guess, his normal tendencies, which is to ride his one goalie, the number one, all the time, right. which is Mark andre He hasn't had to do that yet, and he hasn't had the opportunity to do so. And maybe that's the remainder of this road trip before they come back here in a week, is that now that Malcolm got, again, got to wipe the memory clean with the men in black, you know, yeah. you know, flash, yeah, yeah, yeah. flashy yep. thingy, yep. you know, <laughs> and, and, and Mark andre you know, pulls off a shutout against the Preds, who we know have been struggling, but a shutout is a shutout, and it was a convincing one, too, when it's 3 nothing. where even Coach said they played a full game. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be happy with the result. Uh, and also getting, you know, what Chandler Stevenson must have ate his Wheaties over the break or figured out the magic elixir because all of a sudden we're talking about him again contributing mm-hmm. not just eating minutes, but actually contributing on plays in terms of assists and landing one in the net. That's what I mean. Chandler Stevenson has a really uncanny ability for scoring goals in big moments. He doesn't do it super often, but this isn't a team that is that traded for him earlier in the season or built to rely on players uh, like Chandler Stevenson to be the goal scorers, to be the guys that are getting points each and every night. But it's always good when you have that added uh, total into your into your goal total. But now that I think about it with the with the back to backs. I suppose the bye week is a pretty new concept to the NHL. And I guess just this year they took into account being like, we probably shouldn't have teams that are coming off the bye play against teams that aren't coming off the bye. And they match those, at least with the Golden Knights with Carolina. Right. So I guess that next step, maybe that's wh- where the next progression is in that. But it is good to see them to to see see them string together those two victories and, and be on the road and being two cities in two nights. And that Nashville game... It's a shutout, like you said, and shutouts are great, and it's a win, and I and that and it's totally fine, and it, it, that's that's what the goal is. But not all shutouts are created equal. Mark Andre Fleury wasn't that busy; he didn't see that many shots. But we haven't seen the the typical play that we've seen for Mark Andre Fleury leading up to the All Star break and having that time off and having that vacation, and especially for him, what he's dealing with mentally, emotionally. That break was clearly much needed to just kind of get back grounded. But now that they're out of that back to back and that they're going to be facing a very formidable opponent on t- tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, what I'm assuming Mark Andre Fleury will be in the net for that game. So maybe Mark Andre needed that. Maybe he needed one of these cruise control type games where he doesn't have to go sprawling and knocking guys and, and doing the little Mark Andre pokes and prods and whatnot that mm-hmm. he has to do, you know, within that trapezoid in front of him that he's, you know, he's he's got the vision. You know he's got the vision. He he had everything to relax. He paid the thirty three thousand dollar fine. Mm-hmm. He had a good game, a Mark Andre Fleury game, not a Mark Andre Fleury, I have to save the world kind of game. Right. But a game to where he did what was needed to do. His defense supported him. The offense landed a couple of easy goals. It wasn't, you know, they weren't, they weren't, you know, just these, you know, five on three breakaway right. where they had to, you know, pass eight times to sneak anything by. They got a good, they got a good win for the organization when they need some good wins. They need mm-hmm. to string some of these together. We've, you and I have talked about in the past, not on this show, obviously, but in, in other cases and just in hallway conversations where we talk about where they've got to get those wins in the easiest ways possible mm-hmm. against those opponents where, again, back in the day, and I say back in the day respectfully that with the team being in three years into existence, but to get, back the, in the day. but to get the wins over the teams they're expected to get wins over and when you've got the Predators on the ropes and they're not playing good hockey in the midst of a losing streak you need to get wins like that you don't want a 5-4 win at least in my humble opinion you want a 3-0 shutout you want it to be as simple as possible for everyone because when you've got to get up as you just mentioned Tampa's coming up tomorrow when you know you got to really get up for another game and you're still on the road and it's got to feel like this long slog like when are we coming back to Las Vegas Mm -hmm. when are we getting back there 
They've got to get these wins. They've got to nail this one down, especially in Tampa tomorrow. You're good at this hockey talk, Hugh. We might have to have you back in the future. <laughs> Look at you go. Well, with those two wins, the Golden Knights obviously get back on that track that they've been trying to find that consistency and will look to continue tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They now sit third in the Pacific Division. They have 61 points, only trailing Ed, uh, Vancouver Canucks, who lead the division with 65. The Oilers at 62, your Golden Knights at 61. But right behind them in that first wild card position with 60 points are the Calgary Flames, and then 59 points uh, for that second wild card position for the Arizona Coyotes. So, like we said, each and every night, this is just going to be up and down, leapfrog all over the place. But it all starts with tomorrow night. It's all about the next game. It's not about what you did last night. But we do have someone who's going to talk to us about what the Golden Knights did on Saturday and Friday because he was physically there. And that's my usual co-host, Ben Goats. He is going to talk to us here on the other side of the break. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, Always and Forever. I'm joined tonight by Paul Ihander, who is lucky enough to be filling in. And uh, you're listening to The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Unfiltered hockey talk for Golden Knights fans. It's The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. And welcome back to The Nightcap. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever. And usually, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Goats. But unfortunately for me, fortunately for all of us, he is on the road with the Golden Knights. He's actually in Tampa Bay, Florida, as we speak. And he joins us now on The Nightcap just to kind of update us on the team. Because we haven't seen, you know, these guys in the flesh for so long, Ben. So it's great to have you with boots on the ground there. And the, the Vegas Golden Knights... Open up their uh, coming out of the break with back to back wins. I mean, on back to back nights, winning four to three over Carolina and three nothing in Nashville. What what do you see in those games, and how are they uh, translating? You know, to wins. Yeah, well, obviously they've been playing really well off the break. Also, I appreciate the introduction. I am very willing to continue to taking uh, this one for the team if it involves <laughs> me being in Tampa, Florida during February, so I'm very honored to be performing this sacrifice for all of us right now, but no, that was about as good of a stretch the Golden Knights could have asked for coming right off the bye. Obviously, Carolina is a really good team at home, so to go in there, basically dominate that game for about 52 minutes, they had a let-up in the third period, which allowed the Hurricanes to tie the game, then Alex Tuck gives the Knights the lead late, then to do that, and then to go on the road the next night, playing back-to-back, and then just completely and utterly crush the Predators with a really, really impressive, basically 120 minutes of hockey. I don't think the Golden Knights could have drawn up, you know, a better start coming off their bye week. Those are four huge points for them, especially getting that win in Nashville, who was chasing them at the time in the wild card race. Uh, it's hard to argue that the Golden Knights haven't been very, very successful, you know, in these last two games. So what's the mood been like around the around the locker room and the post game? Because obviously right before the break happened, right before the all-star break, you know, Gallant gets fired, DeBoer comes in and it's kind of, you know, everybody's running around with their with their hair on fire until they hit the break. Now they've had some time to kind of process what happened, take some time away from the rink. Do you feel like there's that a little bit of that heaviness has been lifted and that it's a little bit more let's get down to business and everyday uh type of behavior and moods? Hundred percent. I think the mood, especially, you know, today, considering they're coming off those two big wins, is just drastically 
different from what the mood appeared to be when they entered their bye week. I think having that mental reset with the bye week helped a lot of these guys because they had been through just so, so much in terms of, you know, they ended that homestand poorly. Then the road trip before the bye probably didn't go exactly as they, you know, wanted it to go. Obviously, their coach got fired, a coach they really liked. So there's so much going on for them before the bye. I think having that mental reset was just massive for this team. And now, like I said, today, it feels like it's been a complete 180. Now they're coming off of two, like I said, impressive road wins against the Hurricanes, against the Predators. I mean, guys are joking around in practice today. Guys are having fun. Guys are getting on each other in the locker room after practice. I think this team has just completely flipped itself, at least in terms of mood. We'll see if they can continue to flip themselves in terms of performance, because obviously tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, that's about as tough of a test as you can face in the NHL. Absolutely. It's definitely not who you play, but it's when you play them. And as you said, the formidable opponent that they find in the Tampa Bay Lightning for their matchup tomorrow night is about as good as it gets. They've racked up over 13 wins since December 23rd and have really started to become the team that a lot of us thought they were last year. And we're going to continue to be this year despite losing out early in last year's playoffs. But specifically about DeBoer and, 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 and how things have changed. We have yet to see DeBoer run a practice here at City National Arena because they've been on the road in the timing of all this. Do you do you think there is a different feel and a, a different look to these practices compared to what uh, we typically saw when Gallant was on the ice with the team? Yeah, these practices are just completely different than what Gerard Gallant was running. I mean, obviously, Gallant had a kind of certain practice. I think people that have watched his practices at City National Arena kind of got used to. The Knights kind of did the same drills time and again. They had a routine. They had a system. They had a way that they operated. And obviously, Peter DeBoer has kind of come in and completely flipped things around. They've run a ton of different drills just in the two full practices that I've seen. I've also seen a couple morning skates. So that's been a big difference. DeBoer is really emphasizing the things that he thinks this team needs to work on. They started the two practices I've watched just working on their defensive zone positioning, where guys need to be in the D zone when they start a breakout. They've worked on breakouts a lot. That's been a big point of emphasis early. Of how do we exit our own zone cleanly and concisely so that we can start moving up the ice? And then today, it was a big change where we saw them practice a three-on-three scrimmage. And that's something that Jar Glant really never did. We never saw them practice specifically three-on-three. He kind of just left guys to figure it out once they got to overtime. But I asked Pete DeBoer about it after practice today, and he said, hey, those are big points, and we haven't been that good in overtime this season. So that's kind of a thing that's been emphasized too. So I think that's one of the biggest differences under DeBoer. Jorgalant had a routine. He knew what he wanted those guys to do drill-wise, and he kind of just trusted his veterans to use that to get them ready for games. Whereas DeBoer is attacking specific things in the Golden Knights game right now, and that is breakouts, uh, three-on-three overtime, and defensive zone work. Those are the things that are definitely being harped on here practices with the Golden Knights now. Well, and those are three things that we've harped on on the nightcap for weeks here, Ben. And, and as we kind of alluded to earlier, that the opponent that they have tomorrow in Tampa Bay Lightning has such a potent offense. And for them to be working on that defensive positioning, especially breakouts, that's going to be especially important if they're looking to secure those two points tomorrow night. And so with that a potent offense that the Lightning have, what do you think the Gold Knights are going to look to do to deviate the, the Lightning from their plan? Because they have 
so many scores. I mean, you Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Kalorn. I mean, it's just every single line seems to have a game breaker, somebody that has the ability to put the puck in the back of the net in, in, in quick order. So what do you think we need to see from the Golden Knights to slow down this incredibly, incredibly uh, effective Tampa Bay Lightning offense? Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of what the Golden Knights tried to do against the Nashville Predators on Saturday. Pete DeBoer talked about after that game how that was kind of a 2-1, 1-0 type of hockey game, and it, the score was 1-0 for a lot of the game. And the Golden Knights were sound defensively and found their moments to strike, and when they did, they capitalized and got some goals. And so I think that's kind of a blueprint that now they're going to use for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Be sound in your defensive zone. Break out quickly. Move the puck up the ice. Try to be aggressive in spots where you think you really have opportunities to score. But make sure you don't overextend yourself because, as you said, if you get a little bit too cute on offense, the Lightning can absolutely just devastate you going the other way with the litany of skill and all-stars that they have on that roster. So, like I said, luckily for DeBoer, I think he's got the perfect teaching video right there from Saturday with the Nashville Predators game. I assume that they're going to play a lot of those clips both today and then tomorrow heading into the game to show the Golden Knights, all right, here's where we were good against the Predators in terms of getting the puck out of our zone quickly, finding guys on breakouts, not cheating and looking to cherry pick and exiting the defensive zone too early. And I'm sure that's what's going to be stressed heading into tomorrow's game. Once again, we're talking with Ben Goats. That's at Ben S. Goats on Twitter of the Las Vegas Review Journal. He is in Tampa Bay with the Golden Knights as they look to face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday night. Oh, ben, before we let you go, I saw your tweet earlier. The Golden Knights have recalled Nicholas Waugh and uh, Zach Whitecloud again. They were playing with the team over the weekend. And and just specifically about them, it seems like every time Nicholas Waugh finds himself in this lineup, he's either putting the puck in the back of the net in a huge moment or helping that fourth line do what it does best, and that's disrupt everything that the other team is trying to do, whether that's in the offensive zone, the defensive zone, whatever else. Do you think that he is a long-term fit in this lineup for this season to the dogfight, to the playoffs, or do you think he's just here to hold serve until everybody gets back healthy and just obviously develop, get those minutes and provide uh, some good play in a position that they need? I think Waz really starting to establish himself with the team. We've seen him get a little bit more leash under Pete DeBoer than he got under Gerard Glant. Specifically, he's playing a lot more on the penalty kill, which I'm sure for any young player, those are, you know, very, very nice minutes to have because it shows the coaching staff is willing to put you out in a critical situation. And so I think Waugh is really showing the new staff what he can do on the ice to how he can be a good fit with the rest of this lineup. Like I said, he scored a critical goal against the Predators to put the Knights up 2 nothing in that game obviously a lot better lead to have than a one nothing lead. So he's producing in key moments. He's playing on the penalty kill a little bit more now. And he just fits the style that fourth line wants to play. He's a big dude. He's 6'4". He and Ryan Reeves can bang some bodies. When William Carrier is on that line, they really can bang some bodies. But he's up with the third line right now. So I think Watt plays that heavy style of game that the Golden Knights need in their bottom six. So I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps contributing the rest of the season. Like I said, it really seems like this new coaching staff has taken a little bit more of a shine to him than the previous one. He's giving, getting a little bit more responsibility, and it's hard to say that he's not producing when he's getting those opportunities. 
Right on, Ben. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you got some beach time that you're definitely going to take advantage of there in Tampa Bay. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back in the Vegas uh, soil here next week. And, uh, you know, let's keep this these good feelings going. Let's get let's get these wins, right? That sounds good. Thanks so much. I am uh, very much looking forward to feeling some sand in my toes, and I'll see you guys in a little bit. All right. Thanks, Ben. No problem. All right, that'll do it for us here in our second segment of the Nightcap. Up next, we have our signature dump and chase segment that always takes place during the 35th minute of the hour. We're going to have plenty to discuss there. And thanks again to Ben Goats for joining us on his not-so-really vacation, but hey, it works still. My name is Lindsey Brown, and this is the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and on the Radio.com app. for a little dump and chase. The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Hey, how are you? And welcome back to the Nightcap. It is a very special evening tonight, not just because Paul Eihander is joining us here on the Nightcap. What, for the what? first time ever. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. But there's only five seconds left in the 35th minute, but we are doing the dump and chase segment which is supposed to occur during the 35th minute, which rarely <laughs> actually comes to fruition. So for the record, let it be shown that this segment did indeed start on time today. And that Dump and Chase segment, uh, we bring our just random thoughts of consciousness, you know, random things that we find that we want to talk about. But today, I, I highlighted earlier, we're going to talk about those teams that are going to be competing with your Golden Knights, at least in the Western Conference, uh, for the playoff spot. Because we talk all the time about how every game matters, how each and every, uh, how how many teams are r- right in the mix for those playoff spots. But we haven't really elaborated at least all of them at once from a Eagles point view. And that's what we're going to do right now, right, the Paul? The 30,000 foot view. 30,000 foot view. Well, it's pretty obvious, though, Linz. You, you look at the clear front runners right now. The Blues are up there. Even though they lost a couple here, they're, they're, they're still the cream of the crop. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. They're, they are certainly a contender, as well as the Colorado Avs, who have essentially offense for days. I mean, yes. it's the number one offense in the Western Conference. They just score at will. It's just a matter of trying to keep them under a certain number, so to speak. Absolutely, and making sure that they're getting the goaltending, which is really the theme of hockey always, but especially this year. But yeah, the, the offense from, from the Abs. I mean, you have Nathan McKinnon, there really needs no more to be said about him. Gabe Landeskog, who's a, a tertiary point or player at this point, and they're going to be in there for the deep run unless something really start, really wonky starts happening with either one of those clubs. They're in. They just yeah. need to go into cruise control and stay healthy. Yeah, Blues and the Abs are certainly up there. And then we talk about the surprise team in terms of a contender, the Vancouver Canucks, who you pull out the Sedin twins, you, you pull out that kind of a talent, and you go, okay, we're in a full rebuild. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if you had said, I think, to anybody at the beginning of the season, if the Canucks would be sitting in first place in the Pacific right now after mm-hmm. the All-Star break with essentially two months left in the regular season, you would have been laughed out of any building in any sports bar on the planet. Absolutely. And it's not that the, the Canucks are a bad team. We just thought that this was going to be more next year or the year after that in, in terms of them taking that next step. But 
Quinn Hughes has been an absolute revelation on the defensive end. You have uh, Elias Pedersen, you have Brock Besser, you have a very reinvigorated JT Miller, and sometimes being young and inexperienced can work in your favor. You don't have the pressure, you don't have all those bad losses or that track record that you're trying to overcome, and so sometimes being ignorant in these big-time spots can work in your favor, but they need to stay healthy. They need to make sure that uh, Markstrom is continues to play well and goalie represented the, uh, the Pacific in the All-Star game, but he's still trying to find that consistent game. He's not quite in that echelon of elite goaltenders. He's he's right there, I'd say, about bottom second tier, but a solid uh, run through the rest of this regular season paired with some more playoff time. That's just going to pay off either this year or in those years where we were expecting this type of step. But yeah, Pacific Division leading, no, 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 no. Was yeah. not expected. For sure. Pouncing back to the Central, though, the team that I think might be sneaky, if they can get their offense on track or maybe if... If Joe Pavelski can kind of get his head screwed on correctly, because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Ben Bishop and goal for the Dallas Stars. Absolutely, and they're a defensive team. I mean, they're a defensive team. Yeah, and and they've been they've been built like that, and and they've they have Tyler Sagan, they have Jamie Ben, they have John Klingberg, and as you said, Ben Bishop, who is really the X factor for that team. They were able to at least win one round last year in the playoffs, and they were really the dark horse. But I don't think we've seen the best of this team yet this season. They, they've had some stretches where they've won a bunch of games, but they've also had stretches where they've lost a few in a row. If you get everyone on the same page, like you said, if you get that offense churning. San Jose has more goals yeah, than Dallas right now. That's That that stat speaks for itself. That's I didn't even know. That's insane. But you're absolutely right. They need to get that offense going because if they find that consistency, if they get everyone going that same direction at that point of the time, right before the playoffs start, honestly... They're right up there with St. Louis and with with the Colorado Avalanche. But they just got to get there. They got to get everyone on the same page. Yeah, and they are stingy, too. Again, Bishop is sneakily good. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean we know he's good, but again, he's definitely one of my one of my I'm high on him for sure. Challenging for a Vesna. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, the the two teams in Alberta, I'm a little bit mixed on to be honest, based on uh, let's start with the Flames first who made the coaching change obviously, mm-hmm. sliding into they're sitting in the wild card right now, first slot in the wild card, but they have had their challenges and their goal differential is just off the charts where they are Jekyll and Hyde. Like one night they are they're on their game and the second night it just feels like it's a it, it, it's just a different team on the ice. I don't know what it is, but at least lately they've been playing some pretty good hockey. Yeah, I I really think that this battle for Alberta between the Flames and the Oilers have really invigorated or reinvigorated the defending Pacific Division champions. And the thing is, is the thing about the Calgary Flames, the story, the player that has really stirred the drink there over the past few seasons has been Johnny Gaudreau, and he has not lived up to expectations for this season. So they're looking to get him going. Obviously, they have Monahan, they have to chalk. They have all of that bad blood churning between those two teams and rivalries like that. We're, we're very familiar with bad blood like that down here for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, sometimes that can springboard your team into a rut or sometimes it can spring your team into a little bit more fire. And I think that's what that what the Flames need. And I did not mean that pun. And I'm sure. very glad that it came to that. <laughs> but I, I think that this team is still very, very dangerous. But yes, these two teams between them and Edmonton, they're both the, the teams that involved in the battle for Alberta. I think it's going to be one of those two teams that's going to make it in the play. I don't think they can. I don't think you can include both. Okay, well that makes it very interesting because Edmonton is the offense. That's the that's the team with all the offense. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But this is a team that has to make some decisions coming up to the trading deadline here in the next three weeks. I did not know this until I, it just popped up in front of me. They have 12 free agents this year. 
Yeah. This is, it's going to happen now or it's not going to happen because this will be a, in 2020, 2021 season, it'll be a retooled Oilers team. Right. But that might be the best thing because we know how many first overall picks the Oilers have been able to kind of happen into in the last decade. (laughs) And they've sent some away, that being Taylor Hall, and they've kept some. But it has always been an underachieving team, and that's because they are so weak in the defensive core, and goaltending always has been a question. But, but... Mike Smith is capable of greatness, especially in the playoffs. He led the Arizona Coyotes through a couple of deep playoff runs earlier in his career. But like I said, and like you said, all offense, it's tough to uh, compete with Connor McDavid and Lee and Dreisaitl on any day. But it's tough to win a seven-game series when that's really your only weapon or your only win in the column if you're if you're if you're comparing every everything else, you know, between two rosters. I I like the Flames better than the Oilers personally, but the Oilers are very capable and they went on a little playoff run themselves a couple of years back. So we'll see. The free fall that is the Arizona Coyotes is, it's hard to watch because you wanted to see them do well with the Taylor Hall trade. You wanted to see this franchise make the big move and all of a sudden develop itself into maybe the next rival for the Knights Mm -hmm. as the Sharks have fallen off. But the Coyotes haven't seen as much as they have out of the Hall trade. They are capped out like crazy. So it feels like they're just going to have to sit pat and hope that they can roll with what they... and. What's there is what's there, and right now it may not be enough. The, the injury bug hit them hard, obviously. Well, yeah. Anytime you lose your starting goaltender, it's going to be a tough adjustment to make. But Darcy Kemper was playing so well for the Arizona Coyotes and probably the leader in the clubhouse for the Vesna until he's just, uh, suffered an injury, I think, in December. And he's been retroactively replaced on the IR, which is not good news because uh, Antti Ranta, who was it was 1A and 1 and 1B between those two goaltenders, but he has not been able to really keep the puck out of the net the same rate that they were earlier on in the season. And with shutting down Taylor Hall, you get Taylor Hall for the game break ability, but you also get him for the distraction factor. And the other players on their roster, Christian Dvorak, I mean, you have Phil Kessel, you have Carl Soderberg, you, ha- you have people on your roster, but nobody has been able to pick up pick up the bucket of water and carry it for this team when uh, when your opposition has been able to shut down Taylor Hall, which is... You expect that, right? Sure, sure. You would, you, one would think that's what what would happen, but I don't know. They still, I think, have enough roster to make some noise. Whether or not they'll be able to right the ship here in season and still keep up in the race, they might find themselves on the outside looking in. But can they? But can they hold off Chicago, which is the dark horse right now? With by default, right? By default, in yes. Chicago, they're the old. They're just a couple of points behind Arizona and the Yotes. So, are the Yotes contenders or the Blackhawks contenders at this point? That's the eight nine right now, right? And I don't see anybody coming up to jump them unless you know, legit Winnipeg or Nashville has a monster reversal of fortune here. Yeah, I think the Coyotes are more contenders. I think the Blackhawks are contenders by accident because this this is a roster in transition. You don't let go of a Joel Quenville mid season last year because things are going well, and so. So this is their first year under their new coach. Uh, and so because no one is taking ownership of the division and nobody's really running away besides those two top teams that we highlighted earlier, those being the St. Louis Blues and Colorado Avalanche, they just find themselves hanging around. So until a team like the Coyotes or the Jets or the Predators or the Wild, they, they're they prone to get, get hot too. But those teams are going to be looking to sell off. But the Blackhawks might be that team that sneaks into the playoffs just because no one else had the same point total. But I don't think they're an actual threat to anyone. But... You play to get into the playoffs because once you're in, anything can happen. And they have pedigree on that roster. So 
On the outside looking in, Jets, Nashville, again, who got that loss to uh, your Knights a couple mm-hmm. of nights ago. Minnesota struggling, could be sellers here. And then the three, amazingly enough, hockey is struggling in California. Yes. It's going <laughs> pretty badly. It, it is. It, it's three teams that are tanking, and I don't know how you how you get them to rise out of the ashes. It's, well, you don't want them to rise out of the ashes no, you if don't, you're those organizations. But unfortunately for the Vegas Golden Knights, because they play in the same division, being a trading partner with any of those teams to pick off any sort of fruit off those trees could be incredibly challenging mm-hmm. or just verboten. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's definitely weird how the the at least the lower end teams have kind of grouped themselves together in the Pacific Division, but it is what it is. I think if you're those three, you just leave them at the bottom. You're like, you go compete for lottery picks. That's what you guys are meant to do, and that's what you guys are on the track to do. The, the team that it find themselves below the Golden Knights that I think actually could make a run, it depends on how this contract situation shakes out with Dustin Bufflin, who they're looking to terminate the contract with. That's the Winnipeg Jets. Connor Hellenbuck is playing unbelievable goalie this season, and he they had a run in the playoffs a couple years ago before they won, ran in the juggernaut. That was the Golden Knights, but that was their golden year. But their defense has been awful, but their goalie is keeping them in this season. And if he's able to continue what he's been able to do and keep them hanging around, he might get them into a playoff spot. And we know what happens to hot goaltenders in playoffs. Usually it bodes well. But they still have some scoring on the front side with, between Blake Wheeler and then and Mark Shifley. But, yeah, I think the Golden Knights, based off of how some of these teams are stacking up, I think getting in, it shouldn't be a problem. But you want to get in and you want to get in with a good matchup because you don't want to be in those wild card positions and all of a sudden being on the road against St. Louis or Colorado. There's plenty, plenty to digest here. But we're going to be updating this every week on the Nightcap on the Playmakers. But we need to take one more intermission before we send you guys off into the darkness. We'll stuff some oranges in our faces and retape our sticks. On the other side of the break, we'll take a look at what the Golden Knights have on the docket for this week. My name is Lindsey Brown. That's Paul Eihander. This is the Nightcap, live on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. The Nightcap. That's a night with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. Welcome back to our final portion of the nightcap, at least for this week. As Shakira says and said last night in the Super Bowl halftime show, we we stand Shakira in this program. You can listen back to anything nightcap related, anything Golden Knight related, anything that I've ever done right on the radio.com app. All you got to do is search out the nightcap, include the the. Spell it all out. You search, you hit this, you hit the heart in the top left, and you can do the same thing on your iTunes for the podcast. You just search the nightcap, same thing there, and subscribe and rate because you know your girl needs the ratings. We need constructive criticism up up in here. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever. And because we're in our final segment, we have the Wolfpack Coaches Show coming up here just in a couple minutes. But we're going to take a quick look ahead at the week ahead for your Golden Knights because they have three games on their docket. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights right now. 
sit at 27, 20, and 7. 61 points, good for third in the Pacific. They are 4-5-1 in their last 10 and won two in a row. They will be facing off against the juggernaut uh, that is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are starting to look like the Lightning that were last year as they are second in the Atlantic, just five points back from the Boston Bruins. Very good team there. We've seen them twice already this year. Those Tampa Bay Lightning, they're 32-15-5 and five for 69 points with plenty of offense, plenty of defense, and that's right, the reigning Vesna goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky. So it's going to be a big time game for your Golden Knights on Tuesday. On Thursday, they're going to be facing off against the Florida Panthers. They're fourth in the Atlantic, definitely sniffing around for a playoff spot, but haven't quite found their step. They have Sergei Bravrovsky in the net, who hasn't had his best season under Joel Quenville, but that's this is their first season together. Those Panthers are 28, 17, and 5 for 61 points and two points out of that second wild card spot. They're 7, 3, and 0 in their last 10 and just losing one. So they're going to be looking to get things going. I know that they have a game before they face the Golden Knights. So obviously, this is these these records are as of today. Uh, but both of those games are going to be huge. I wouldn't necessarily expect a lot from the, against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but Florida should be a game that the Golden Knights should have. And then finally, after what seems like 10 years, the Golden Knights will return. Hockey will be played in Las Vegas at T-Mobile Arena this Saturday against the Carolina Hurricanes, whom they just beat on Friday evening, 4-3. to Malcolm Subban was in that net. The Carolina Hurricanes now find themselves 30-19-3, and 63 points, fifth in the Metropolitan Division, and the wild card spot. The second spot in the Eastern Conference. They will definitely be looking and hungry for those points, especially just having a week between those games between the Golden Knights and the Carolina Hurricanes. Paul, anything to add over there? An amazing, very fast-paced hour of hockey, Lindsay. So much hockey all the time. They're going to be back here. Are you excited the Golden Knights are returning to to town here? Yep. Excited to see Pucks Deep. Pucks Deep? Yep. Anything else? I got to play them one game at a time. Yeah. Little things. Take care of those as well. Yep. Banging some bodies. Yep. Make sure you're forward checking, back checking all of those things. Yep. Excellent. Well, thank you to Mark for making everything sound great. Thank you to Paul for sticking around and helping me out. Once again, Wolfpack Coaches Show is up next. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, always and forever. We'll be back each and every Monday, 6 to 7 p.m. live here on CBS Sports Radio 1140 AM and live on the radio.com app. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. Cheers to us. And all, and all will be. My name is Lindsey Brown, and this has been The Nightcap. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.